1: I'd like to welcome everyone this morning and especially our guests to welcome you today. This is your first time. We're uh, in a couple of weeks of something that's a little bit out of the norm for us and what we're doing. Um, But we're glad to have you and hopefully you'll come back and see what's the norm. Hopefully it's never really the norm, but anyway. We do welcome you. We're glad you're here. If you're watching us online today, wherever you're watching us from, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. Yes. Praise God. Most importantly, we welcome Jesus today. You see, God fills all space. If you ever ask, if you've ever wondered in your life, God, where have you gone? God can't go anywhere. Right. There's a difference between God being everywhere and God manifesting Himself. It's, it's kind of like my wife and I are in the same room right now. We're in the same room. But I don't have her attention. Well, actually, I have her attention. She doesn't... Well, actually, she does right now, have mine. <laughs> but it's not the same as if it was just the two of us. Sitting down at a dinner table across from each other with no other distractions where, where we are face to face and completely engaged. So That's why maybe you what, what do you mean we, we welcome Jesus? He's here. Yeah, He's here. Just because He's here doesn't mean we've gotten to the place where He's moving and working. I'm glad that He's moving and working in this place today. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to stand in honor of the Word of God, as we begin, once again, I will do my best to be mindful of your time. I realize, again, we're in a little bit out of the norm, but I do believe I have a message to deliver this morning. Acts chapter 16, verse number 27. Acts 16 and 27. And the Keeper... A little bit of context here. Paul and Silas have been thrown into jail for their faith, their preaching, declaring the word of God. And so this is the context. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for. We are all here. That's pretty miraculous, isn't it? Prison doors open, and the prisoners were all still there. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning on this thought. I must. I must. Father, thank you for your wonderful presence that's already been here today. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you that you have already spoken to us. You've also already touched and ministered to lives in this place. And now God... Remainder of this service, I pray that once again you would speak. You would speak, God. I don't want to be the speaker this morning. I just want to be the conduit, the, the messenger that delivers your message. God, I pray that you would anoint someone's ears this morning to hear, to receive, that there would be revelation that would come from your word. Trust you today. I depend on you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Must is a word that seems to be fading more and more from modern society. There is less and less that you must do. There are less and less things that are considered to be musts, necessary, absolutes. Be honest with you. What is very disturbing is this really has crept into Christianity today as well. We have broadened it to say there are there are no musts, there are no absolutes, there are no things that are necessity. Some say, and if you're a guest today, I don't mean this to be critical or judgmental, but I make this statement based upon the Word of God and can show you in the Word of God. So if you misunderstand or misunderstand the motive of this statement, I I apologize, but it's from the Word of God. Many say that all roads lead to the same place. That it really doesn't matter what you believe, we're all going to the same place. I believe that this is the Word of God, and I believe that it's the only source of truth. That all truth has to be measured by this book. And Jesus Himself said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He did not say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. Which would imply there were others. He said, I am the. So I realize what I am here to preach this morning does not fit with Not only pop culture, but really pop Christianity if there is such a thing. Because we are not supposed to box people in and hem people in or box exclude people. That's that's not my intent. My intent is to simply to declare to you today what the Word of God says. The Word must. In the Hebrew, or excuse me, in the Greek here where he says what must I do. That word means it is necessary. The word must means what is necessary. It means it's necessary. It means it is, there is need of, is right and proper. The word must means necessity in reference to what is required to attain some end. Necessity established by the counsel and decree of God, especially by that purpose of His which relates to the salvation of men by the intervention of Christ. So when this jailer said, what must I do? He was not simply looking for a suggestion or a recommendation. If you're interested in some place to get lunch when we get done with church... I can give you some recommendations, but you must not go to where I recommend if you choose not to. Unless my family intervenes and says otherwise, I have an intent of doing what I do most Sundays and that is going to Mission Barbecue in Annapolis. I can recommend it to you as an option, but it is not a must. You have the right to choose to do what you want to do. But the jailer said, what must? What is of necessity? The root word there for must actually means to bind. What is it that I am bound to do? What am I required? I I haven't come to be judgmental of anybody today, but I've come to tell you in truthfulness and in fairness to let you know if you don't know it, the Word of God is very clear on some things that you are bound to do. What God does in fairness to us is He tells us what He expects of us never spanked my children when they were younger, disciplined them without them understanding what they were being disciplined for, and warned them in advance that if you do this, you will be disciplined. And so God says, you want to know what I expect? Here it is. He says, what must I do? I find throughout the New Testament there are several things that seem to me to apply to us. the Mott said it today. There is personal application that comes from the Word of God. How do I apply it to myself? And I find some things throughout the New Testament particularly, and I believe we need the Old Testament. So if you're a guest today, don't misunderstand my focus on the New Testament. I think we need the Old Testament. Amen. You had three amens. I got none amens. So I we're, we're we're going backwards here. So let me just give you a few things from the Word of God, from the Word of God. I'm not giving you my opinion today. Not giving you my. I'm telling you the what the Word says. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse number six. I I've sort of prioritized or put these in an order on purpose. I'm not saying that 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 it is exactly right or that it is. That it is uh, has to be this order, but I kind of find it to kind of to kind of follow a, a pattern here or some steps here. And so, the first must I want you to see is actually in Hebrews chapter eleven and verse number six, where the writer says, "But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is." It doesn't do you any good this morning, basically doesn't do you any good this morning, to sit through this service if you don't believe that He is God. In addition to that, you've got to believe that He is a rewarder of them. That diligently seek Him. Meaning, God is not going to force Himself upon you. You must, kind of like Brother Mott said with the offering, I obey and God responds to my obedience. I must demonstrate my faith that He is, and then He responds to my faith. Right. Heard it preached for years, and it's really a basic principle you can come, come to understand not only from the word of god but by observation and that is god does not simply respond to a need if god just responded to a need then it would be very unfair for anyone to have a need because god ought to just be looking around there's a need let me fix that there's a we wouldn't need hospitals we wouldn't need jails we god just would fix the needs but god does not respond to need. What God responds to is faith. You must believe that He is. I, I, I don't want to take too much time on it and it's really simple, but I sure hope that I am amongst people today that are absolutely convinced that He is God. And beside Him there is no other God. That He is the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the same yesterday, today, and He will be the same forever. You must believe that He is. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Christianity is not an extracurricular activity that is offered to you for life. That it is a take it or leave it. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after that comes the judgment. So if you are going to be prepared for eternity, you must... Be saved. Well, I'm a good person. I don't know that I need that God stuff. I'm, I'm, I do right. I live right. Well, there's one simple answer to that. Jesus said there is none good except one, and that's Him. Well, preacher, I don't know about that. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll put myself up to just about any of you here today. I've never smoked, never, never smoked cigarettes, I've never drank alcohol, I've never done drugs, I was a virgin when I got married, going down the list. I think I got a chance of being as good as anybody. Right. Treat people nice, I think I'm a pretty polite person. I, I say yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir, no sir. Right. I tip at least 20% if not more every time I eat at a restaurant. Open the door for strangers. I I think I, according to Scripture, am not good because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you must be saved, and there's only one name for salvation, and that is the name of Jesus. There will be a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He and He alone is Lord. John 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, You must. It is of necessity, it is a requirement that you are. Born again, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. I'm very sad to say that being a born again Christian has become a buzzword for a part of Christianity. That there are those that profess Christianity that would not label themselves as being born again, according to what Jesus said to Nicodemus, being born again is not just for a group of rebel Christians. I wish I get a little bit more help from a few apostolics this morning. Well, I'm I'm, I'm a born again believer. Well, I'm a believer but I'm not a born again believer. I'm just a believer. I'm a Christian but I'm not we, we born again believers by some parts of Christianity get labeled oh, they're born again. I'm sorry. But according to the words of Jesus, it's not just a neat little title that's been developed for a branch of Christianity over the last several years, but Jesus said, if you're going to enter the kingdom and you're going to see the kingdom, you must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe, I declare to you the gospel, the good news, which is the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said on the day of Pentecost to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You want to know the practical application of being born of water and of the Spirit? Acts 2.38 breaks it down real simple. You must. Be born again. It is necessity. Brother Wright, I'm not sure a uh, preacher. I'm not sure I like this church. I'm not sure I like this brand of Christianity. That's not that's so far beyond the point. What you need to like is what the book says. If you can prove to me what I'm saying is contrary or out of the book, then I want to know. But your opinion and my opinion doesn't matter what he says matters. And he said, you must. I just quoted it, but we'll read it. Acts chapter 2 verse 37. Now when they heard this, they heard Peter's message that he was preaching, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The living Bible says it this way, what should we do? And so I think it would be doing no disservice to the scripture to say it this way, what must we do? I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody here this morning, but I'm going to say it this way, if nothing else, to jar hopefully somebody out of a little bit of a rut you may be in. Not trying to be critical, unkind, offensive to anybody, but Peter did not say, accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. They said, what must we do? And he said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I like the next verse too. For the promise is unto you. That is those that are gathered here today when he was speaking. But they didn't stop there. He said, those that are far off that expands it a little bit more. But the last part makes it all inclusive for all of time. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I do not understand. I preach I, I, preacher, Where would you go to seminary? I didn't go to seminary. At the University of Maryland. College Park. I am a terrapin. I have a degree in business management. I have no degree in theology. Awkward question. I'm a preacher. Oh, where would you go to seminary? I did. So. I realize that there are those that are more educated. And it's those that are more educated that I've heard say, what was in the book of Acts is not for us today. It's those that are more educated than I am that tell me the things that God did in the book of Acts and in the New Testament God doesn't do anymore, such as heal. I am sorry, I am sorry, but I don't want a God that somehow reaches a point He can't do what He's ever done. If he really is God, what he did two thousand years ago or four thousand years ago, he should still be able to do today. I I, I know. I'm well aware. I'm. Oh man! I got about eight minutes. Your cars are going to become pumpkins, and your horses are going to turn back into mice. I got to hurry up. I know there are religions, I know there are branches of Christianity that think because we speak in tongues we have lost our minds. I, understand. I know there are. And to be honest with you, from a totally natural perspective, I mean, I, I, if you're a guest today, my parents started this church in 1970. I have a grandmother sitting here who was an apostle, became an apostolic as a as a, a very very at a very very young age. I all my other three grandparents that have all passed away were apostolic. I have great grandparents that were apostolic. So I guess speaking in tongues was in my blood. I don't know. I still had to receive it at some point. I, I say that to say I've been around this all my life. This is your first time in a Pentecostal service. I apologize. We didn't really give you the full exposure. We've all been pretty... Very mild. Because if you... When you really... If you've never been in an apostolic church, when you really get exposed to an apostolic church, I promise you, you're sitting there going... And... Usually what follows this is up here. If I get out of here, I will never be back. These people are... Isn't it funny though? Everything we do, you've seen before. With one exception, possibly tongue. But everything else we do, you've seen it. It's just at a ball game. It's at a concert. It's some other place. I, but I've been around this all my life. I think I was probably in my first church service probably within a week of being born. I'm, I'm pretty sure. But I still sit sometimes and think to myself about myself as I am speaking in tongues. Are you sure? I mean, come on now. I'm just being honest. I know a bunch of you folks got so much revelation just telling you yeah. business management not the uh, business management I'm not the smartest guy but I think I'm a pretty level-headed guy i'm pretty I'm pretty conservative predictable guy I don't get out of my box very easy I, really I listen to some of you right So i got to be honest, I can sort of understand some wanting to say that. But what I really don't understand, and and, and a couple of years ago after Antioch Christian School closed and we were looking into what we were going to do for the future of our children, we went on a website for a Christian school, and, and it said on there, if you believe in speaking in tongues and and in, in supernatural healing, don't even go beyond this point in the applet. literally, don't go beyond this point in the application. I'm like, okay, if you want to say if I believe in speaking in tongues, don't I can sort of but that God doesn't heal anymore? God doesn't. God doesn't do miracles anymore? If you have a car that stops running, what do you do? Fix it. If you can't fix it, what do you do? Get rid of it. Get another one. If God can't do what he used to do, he needs to be fixed. And if he can't be fixed, we need to find another God. Only problem is, this book tells me beside him, there is no other God. So that means if he is God, the promise was to them, but the promise is also to me. Oh, I got to hurry. So you must be born again. You must repent and be baptized. full immersion In the name of Jesus. Not in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If you believe it that way, I don't have time to get all that into you. I am a father. I am a son. I am a husband. I put a check in the offering this morning. What would happen if I had put on that check this morning, Father? Mother Wright would have been doing the offering and got that check and given me a call. She may not have given me a call. She may have called the bishop, who is also my employer, and said to him, We have a problem. We might need to reconsider. Because that may be the various things that I am. But my name is David Stephen, S-D-E-P-H-E-N, Wright. So when Jesus said, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, when Peter says on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, Peter was just simply doing what Jesus said. Oh, hallelujah. I know some of you, this is so old hat, it doesn't stir you anymore, but it's still good stuff. I'm almost done, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. John chapter 4 verse 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit and they that worship Him must of necessity, it is a requirement, they are bound to it, to worship not just in spirit but in truth. So if you have spirit, but you have no truth, you're not worshiping. To worship, you must have spirit. You must have truth. We have living in a world as well where in Christianity, as long as we have spirit, truth doesn't matter. The problem is the devil is an imitator. He masquerades as an angel of life, light, and he does a real good job imitating. That's why we don't go by spirit alone. Because spirit can lead you into deception. But spirit and the word as a balance means I'll stay in truth. And to worship I must have truth and spirit. I like this next one. It's a must, but it's not an obligation. It's a privilege. First Corinthians 15. Verse 50, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead, in, dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we that are living shall be changed. For this corruptible... must must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. That is not a weight and an obligation that I live under, but that is a great expectation that I have. There's going to be a day when the trumpet of God is going to sound and I am going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall there May be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death. Where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The song that we sing sometimes that kind of summarizes this point. There is coming a day. No, No heartache shall come. No more sickness. No more pain. No more parting. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, what a glorious day that will be. It's really, really way down on the list of important things about that day, but there's a few very basic minor things about that day. No more pain. No more physical ailments, no more sickness, no more disease, no more dying, no more parting, no more separation from those that we love. What a day, what a glorious day, but to get there, my corruptible must put on incorruption, my mortal must put on immortality. If you want to know how that's done, go back to John chapter 3 and Acts chapter 2. Last must, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must. You get a speeding ticket, you have a couple of options. As long as you don't get in the wrong category with the speeding ticket. If you're in the right category with your speeding ticket, you have a couple of options. You can acknowledge your guilt and simply pay the fine. Hopefully you aren't speeding too much if you're a Maryland citizen that you get points on your license. Or you can go to court. You can fight it go to court you can this is what i hear this is, this is yeah unfortunately it's kind of like my favorite verse in the bible i've heard about it with the ears <laughs> i've seen it with my own eye i got a i got just a couple of weeks just a couple of weeks and i got all my points will be gone Hallelujah. Sorry if I disillusion some of you because I'm the preacher. I just get so excited about Jesus when I'm driving. I just can't. It just wants to express itself. Forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I don't want to have to eat those words. Please. You can go and... You can go and you can plead not guilty. Or you can go and plead guilty with an explanation. I have found none of those to really do me any good. my, My point is, at least with the option, again, unless you're in the wrong category, you are not required, mandated to show up before the judge. It's an option. Paul says there is a day that we must all American, Asian, African, whatever, European, rich, poor, smart, not so smart, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The Bible says this. Some men's sins go before them to judgment. Other men's sins come after them. The psalmist said it like this in a very familiar psalm. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness, help me out. First, Sister Lacey, did, did, does he fit that okay? Is it goodness all right and mercy. You guys just to follow me for a moment. When I sin, when I sin and I acknowledge my sin and I send it before me to judgment, if I look back over my shoulder, coming behind me with all my messes, is goodness and mercy. When I acknowledge I must repent and I must be born again and also I acknowledge that the first time I repented and got saved was not the last time I needed to repent. But every day I've got some stuff I need to send ahead of me. I've got goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. Brother Maude, you can sit down. Brother Isaac, I want you to stay there. Now you're the believer. You're standing there before God in judgment and you haven't sent your sins before you. I just kind of picture it this way. You're standing there before God, not goodness and mercy, but something else comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says, Remember me? Remember you decided that I wasn't really that big of a deal in your life and so you never sent me ahead of you to be dealt with. I'm now here. And I'm here at the worst time ever. Because you are now standing where every individual must stand, at the judgment seat of Christ. You didn't send me ahead of you to judgment. You let me come behind. If I send my sins ahead and I'm standing there at the great white throne judgment, I can look over my shoulder and I got goodness and mercy. And I can wipe off the sweat because I'm okay. But if I haven't sent them ahead, I got some stuff going to tap me on the shoulder to say remember me thank you would you stand please as you're standing if I could ask you to close your eyes and bow your head I'm not here this morning if you're a guest I'm not here today trying to give you a sales pitch I love what the Mott said, it's not our job to force Jesus on somebody. It's our job to get them thirsty. I'm not here this morning to try to force you into becoming a member of this church. But I am here to declare to you today there are some things that you must do. Not my words, not my opinion, but the eternal Word of God says. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if nothing else, just simply out of respect for those around you. I wonder if there's somebody here today that would acknowledge, preacher, brother, right, pastor. There's some things you've touched on today that I must do that I acknowledge I either haven't done or acknowledge I'm not doing. I want to make sure that those things, the Word of of God declares I must do, I want to make sure that I'm doing them. I want to make sure that ultimately when I get to that judgment, that I've done what I must do so that I am prepared for that day. If you will please, I say this to those of you that have have ears to hear, (laughs) if you would permit me the liberty this morning of doing it this way, Again, if you're a guest that may be a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not trying to do anything tricky, spooky, or whatever. As I said, if nothing else, just simply out of respect of those around you to perhaps make them feel a little more comfortable. So if there's something here this morning I've communicated, I've touched on, you acknowledge I'm not really doing that, and I see that I must do it, I want to invite you right now to step out of your seat. Down to this altar. I think there's some things that I've touched on. It's not just our guests today that are in need of a response and a fresh commitment. Very well, maybe some of you that are consistent, faithful members here. There's somebody today that you would acknowledge the Word of God and the Spirit of God are speaking to you today. And you want to do those things that you must do. I preached to some people this morning that church, church attendance, involvement in church and Christianity is it's just something you view as an option in your life. It's kind of a take it or a leave it thing. But I'm here today to tell you, according to the Word of God, that's not the way it is. And the wonderful thing is that we have an opportunity, you and I have an opportunity today to hear and to respond to the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. Again, eyes closed if you would, just out of respect, just another moment. I believe there's one that's come, but I believe there's probably a few more that you need to acknowledge God is talking to me today. The Spirit of the Lord is talking to me today. I acknowledge there's some things I must do that I'm not doing. I acknowledge there's some things that must be a part of my life that are not really a part of my life. As we continue another moment to give an opportunity, can I ask, church, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Church, please be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord in this place. Far above all else,
0: far above all else, I must,
1: I must, must be saved. If I don't accomplish anything else in life, if I don't achieve any other goal in life, I must, I must be saved. I must be saved. I may not be considered a success by this world. I may not be viewed as a great achiever in a natural
0: natural way. Above all, above all,
1: I must, I must be saved. Whatever you've got to do to me, Jesus. Whatever I need. Whatever needs to happen in my life,
0: God. Far above all else. Far above all else. I must. I must be saved. Far above all else, Lord. Far above all else. I must be
1: saved. Come on, church, if you don't feel to pray with anybody, would you just right where you are, continue just for a few more moments of prayer, helping us with the atmosphere that God is still working and moving in. Oh,
0: Lord, whatever you have to do, you have to do to me oh don't let me be lost for eternity far above all else if nothing else can you
1: just take a moment and make this song your prayer if nothing else can you just take a moment and make this song your prayer far above all else It may already be your goal and desire, but just a fresh and a new commitment to it today. Far above all else, God, far above all else,
0: oh, far above all else, I must.
1: going to continue singing and continue praying for a few more moments, but if you need to go, you're welcome to go. Thank you for being here, but if you need to leave, please be respectful, mindful of those around you that are still praying.